May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Text for the message is our Old Testament reading, for the most part, from Exodus chapter 12. We pray. Most gracious God, we pray for you to bless our time in your word. Give us strength while we worship apart. We are thankful that while apart, we are united in you, O Lord. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. In a 2017 lecture, Mark Maynell addressed the connection between identity and memory. And he said, uh, uh, BBC Radio 3, the United Kingdom's primary classical music station, ran a fascinating series of articles on music and memory. Adam Zeman, a professor of cognitive and behavioral neurology, wrote about amnesia and memory loss and their relationship to epilepsy. He mentioned two patients, Peter and Marcus, who described their amnesia in very similar terms. One said, my memory of my past is a blank space. I feel lost and hopeless, I, like, I, like I'm trying to explore a void. Both described how disconcerting it is to look at photos. Even though they recognize themselves, they have no recollection of the moment. One said it's like reading a biography of a stranger. He's conscious of recent memories slipping away from him like ships sailing out to sea in the fog, never to be seen again. There are two things that stand out in Zeman's essay. First, without memory, it's hard to cling to an identity. So one of the patients said, I don't have the moorings that other people draw on to know who they are. And secondly, it's hard to have hope when we don't know our past. As Zeman explained, the inability to invoke the past greatly impedes their ability to imagine a future. Remember, we see this throughout Scripture. Bring to your remembrance, place stones of remembrance, offer a grain offering of remembrance. Remember this day, keep this feast. Throughout the Old Testament, our Lord is constantly commanding his forgetful people to remember, to remember and recall everything he has done and given to them. This should come then as no surprise to us that our Lord Jesus Christ on this very night spoke to the disciples, gathered with him in the upper room, and shared the same words God had spoken to the Israelites long ago, this do in remembrance. Throughout that evening meal, the disciples in the upper room saw, heard, even, even tasted of the events of Egypt that led up to the Exodus. There were the bitter herbs reminding them of the bitter sufferings of the Israelites as oppressed slaves. There was the hastily baked unleavened bread reminding them of the need to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. There was the 
roasted mutton, the, the, the lamb, sacrificed so its blood could be painted on the doorpost of the Israelites' house. And, and there were the cups of wine connecting the events together as the work of God himself. This was the Passover meal. This is a meal instituted by God for his people to remember their deliverance from slavery under the hand of Pharaoh. As you recall, those elements of the Exodus. You could probably give me a Reader's Digest version of the story, highlighting the memorable, ta- memorable details, right? Moses says, let my people go, and, and Pharaoh says, no. Moses says, you're going to be sorry, and Pharaoh says, try me. Then there were the frogs, the gnats, the flies, the plague, the boils, the darkness, all the way up to plague number nine. But Pharaoh's heart continued to be hardened until the tenth plague. It was one more devastating than the other other nine combined. It was the plague of the death of the firstborn. It was only then that the Israelites were finally let out of Egypt, that they were baptized as God's holy nation through the waters of the Red Sea on their way to the Promised Land. And, and, and that'd be about it for a summary, right? As God's people, we gather on this night, and we also recall the details of the Passover. It is connected to our celebration of the Lord's Supper. It is in the context of the Passover celebration that Jesus gathered with his disciples. For the Passover, according to the command of the Lord, each family was to take one year old spotless lamb without blemish. Then at the twilight, the sounds of Hundreds of lambs throughout the Israelite camp were silenced as they were sacrificed and prepared for the meal that night. The lamb's blood was gathered into a basin and and then uh, their hands were stained red and and the Israelite believers painted the blood on on the lintel, the tops and the door frames of their houses. They trusted in God's promise that they would be protected just as he said. Now that night, the angel of death visited the land of Egypt. It passed over, right? Passover. Passed over the homes of the faithful Jews that were covered by the blood of the lamb. But the angel of death entered the homes of the faithless Egyptians. All their firstborn died, including the house of Pharaoh. That led Pharaoh to literally drive the people out of Egypt. Passover was God's monumental act of rescue. God wanted Israel to remember. He wanted Israel to remember his power, remember his might, remember his promises. God's command was for a meal to be held each year for them to remember. In this meal, the Israelites ate the very sacrifice that saved them. They were destined to die as slaves in Egypt, unable to save themselves, even from the angel of death. But through the blood and the eating of the Passover lamb, the Israelite people experienced deliverance, salvation, life. 
to eat of this first Passover meal in Egypt was to literally eat of deliverance. So in the following years, when Israel met and gathered for the Passover meal, it wasn't bringing deliverance, but it did serve as a way to communicate God's powerful Passover deliverance. While it brought to their memories the past, it also pointed forward to the final sacrifice of the deliverance of his people. You see, the blood of lambs is not sufficient to forgive sins, and so the Jews had to continue to make sacrifices for years. Is it any wonder then that on the night before he was betrayed, at the celebration of the Passover, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, gave his disciples his last will and testament? And what did it entail? The slaughter of an innocent lamb, the eating of its flesh, the blood of an unblemished sacrifice, remembering an awesome act of God and the deliverance from sin. As Jesus shared the Passover meal with his disciples, he points them to the bread and wine in their meal, bread and wine given to them from Jesus' own hand, and for them to eat of God's sacrifice and live. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus made it obvious to the disciples that his sacrifice was the long-awaited fulfillment of the Passover celebration, what God had commanded Israel to do to remember his powerful and deliverance. His power and deliverance also pointed them toward its ultimate fulfillment, when the Messiah would come. And Jesus was letting them know that time had arrived. At some point during the Passover meal, Jesus paused and made a, a new connection for them in this meal. He took the bread and broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. The same he did after supper with the third cup of wine, which is the cup of blessing, and spoke, Take and drink, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Then just a few hours later, a little after twilight, your spotless, unblemished Passover lamb was captured and taken to the house of the high priest and Pilate. Like a sheep before his shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. When the people's sentence of crucify him was passed down, Pilate tried to wash the blood off of his hands as he sent Jesus away to be put to death. The crown of thorns punctured his head, nails his hands and his feet. The blade pierced his heart as he hung on the cross and outpoured his lifeblood for you and me. This, my friends, is God's sacrifice. This is the sinless Lamb of God offered up to, to free you and me. Jesus giving up his very life for our deliverance. Without God's sacrifice, ours would be eternal slavery to sin and death. But Jesus, the firstborn of God, dies as if he was an Egyptian firstborn, and he dies as the Passover lamb. Death did not pass over him, 
as the blood of the covenant of God ran down his pierced body. Death took him in your place, and, and you are delivered from sin slavery by the holy offering of his body and blood. This is the blessing when we gather for the Lord's Supper. Forgiveness and life. And this is the struggle we face right now. We should be together this night, but we are not. Out of caution and concern and a desire to keep everyone safe, safe, we're not gathering to worship together, neither are we offering the Lord's Supper, and, and those two things grieve me the most. However, we can talk about the Lord's Supper so that when we are able to offer it, we can gather in joyful expectation to receive God's gifts. And that is what this night is all about. In the Lord's Supper, we are partaking of Jesus. It's the bread we eat while trusting the words of Jesus that it is also his body. It's the wine that we drink while trusting the words of Jesus that it is also his blood. Bread and wine, body and blood to nourish us physically and spiritually. He gives you his flesh and blood so that when you partake in the sacrament, your souls and bodies are uniquely nourished unto eternal life. The nourishment his body and blood provides feeds the soul as they bestow on you forgiveness of sins. And where there's forgiveness of sins, there's also life and salvation. While the celebration of the Passover helped people to remember God's deliverance, every Lord's Supper actually conveys deliverance. Do you remember God's mandate concerning the blood? On that first Passover, the Lord commanded, Go and select your lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lambs. Take a bunch of Hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. Touch the lintel and the two doorposts uh, with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of your door of his house until the morning. Hyssop uh, is a bushy, hairy leaf plant with a sort of a minty aroma. After the basin under the table of the sacrifice collected the lamb's blood, it was placed on the ground in the doorway, just like a painter places his paint tray. The leafy hyssop would be placed in the blood as a paintbrush. Then the blood-drenched hyssop would be drawn, would be lifted to draw the blood from the basin, raised to brush the lintel to the top of the door frame. The blood then uh, would be swayed side to side to paint the two doorposts. <laughs> Does that action sound familiar at all? Try it for yourself right now. Do you see it? The blood goes up from the, from, the, from, the, from the floor up to the top and then to the side to side. By this movement, what sign was God having the people put over the doorways? A cross. A cross the very center of all theology. The cross is the center of salvation and deliverance for the Israelites and, and for you too. God's sacrifice was there. 
in the midst of the Passover, and God's final sacrifice is in the meal that we share. So far, we've talked about two special meals, the Passover and the Lord's Supper. But in truth, there is a third special meal that awaits us. My friends, it, it, it's a meal yet to be revealed. It is a meal, it's a meal that will not stop. It's a meal that will not be stopped by a virus. And Scripture often speaks of it. It's the marriage feast of the Lamb in His kingdom. And the awesome part is that you and I have been invited. We're invited not because of how important we are or by what we've accomplished. Nor are we uninvited because we are too sinful or unworthy somehow beyond the scope of God's redemption. No. The invitation comes only through the amazing grace of our amazing Savior, Jesus. This is the feast that Jesus prepares for us in the courts of heaven. When we are able to gather as God's people and receive bread and wine as well as Christ's body and blood given and shed for us, it points us ahead to that great marriage feast of the Lamb of God that we will eat with him in heaven. So for now, we wait. So for now, we pray. And right now, we trust in our amazing Savior. And you know what? My friends, I look forward to the day. I look forward to the day when we are gathered together in one place as God's children and as brothers and sisters in Christ that we can share a meal and look ahead to our meal in the presence of the Lamb for all eternity. Go in his peace. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.